Hello and thank you for joining us for our Pulse and Foursquare podcast. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins and I appreciate you tuning us in today. That God may speak to you through his word and the Holy Spirit may minister to you through the messages that are brought forth. That you'll be blessed and we pray that you will continue to listen to our podcast and we pray that you would have a blessed day. God bless you all. And today is Palm Sunday, and unfortunately I could not find any palm branches to give everybody, so I just cut a twig off the tree for, but it was a little pokey, so I didn't want to give everybody a palm branch, and I just couldn't find any in Montana, I don't know why, but, uh, so if you want a tree branch, you can go clip them off the tree out back, they're a little pokey, but a little pitchy too. (laughs) But uh, today is Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday, and we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, if you will. I just stepped off my, my box. Um, been going through the Gospel of Mark, and last week Mike spoke, uh, Mike Freeman, he spoke from chapter 6. So we're actually going to skip ahead a few chapters to the story of the triumphal entry in Mark chapter 11. So we're going to skip ahead to this uh, story of Palm Sunday. And it's called Palm Sunday. It's called the triumphal entry. Um, That's when Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And as we've already mentioned, you might say it was a uh, a parade. It was a parade that uh, Jesus had planned in advance for his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. How many of you like parades? If you like parades, we uh, as a church have gone to parades uh, here in Polson, usually on the 4th of July. Last year, we didn't have any parades because of COVID, right? There was nothing. There's no celebrations next to nothing that happened. Um, And we've been in the parade as a church. We've given away thousands of water bottles along the the parade route. and I love, I love our 4th of July parades. Um, in fact, as a fire, local volunteer firefighter, I've driven the fire trucks down Main Street many times and, and blared the sirens. And I'm that guy that scares the little kids, you know. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the one that kids are covering and crying, covering their ears. Yeah, I'm one of those guys. Um, but I do throw candy usually. <laughs> so I make up for it. <laughs> but... Um, I can always remember parades as a kid, and I, I can remember my dad and my brother are here today, so if you haven't introduced my dad, Larry, and David, my brother, today, but uh, I remember going to some parades as a, as a kid, and we used to go to this one at where my grandparents used to live, and they always had logging trucks and, and over in Washington by Mount Rainier, and uh, there, was, there was some, I can't remember what it was, it used to blare this super loud horn. And I used to get scared and run in the house. Uh, and then there was also this time we lived in a Navy town where they would always fly these jets the, uh, in Oak Harbor, Washington. They would fly the jets down the street, um, the EA-6B Prowlers, and they were super loud. And so that was kind of scary too. But I always have good memories of, of these parades. Well, this was, in a sense, a parade of Jesus coming in and declaring that he was the one. He is the one. He is the Messiah that had been prophesied about. And Jesus 
uh, planned this out. He staged a parade. And it wasn't just to say, look at me, look at me. You know, it wasn't just, you know, because Jesus always came in a hum humble way. But at the same time, he said, this is now the day. I'm finally coming and announcing that I am the Messiah. For three years of his ministry, he never talked about that. He said, no, the time had not yet come. But today is the day that it had come. Today is when I'm declaring that officially. Um, and lo and behold, uh, they rolled out the red carpet only days before he was went to the cross. He saved it almost to the very last. What was he up to? And so we want to see in this story what he was up to. And I want to read that portion in Mark chapter 11, verses 1. And then we'll just, we'll talk about it and what it means for us today. 11 verse 1 says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go ahead, uh, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell them, tell him the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. And they went and they found the colt outside in the street, tied at the doorway, and as they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? And they answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. And when they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their cloaks over it, and he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches, and they had cut in the fields. And those who went ahead of those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered Jerusalem, went to the temple, and looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Lord, I ask that you may speak to us through this story as not just a reminder, a, a, not just a cute story, but Lord, one that you want to speak to us. Speak to each heart here today and remind us of the importance and the significance of what this all means for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so this is the story of this triumphal entry of Jesus coming into Jerusalem that marked the, the Passion Week, or sometimes it's called the Holy Week, the week of, of Passover that ended on Friday with the, the crucifixion. And then three days later was the resurrection where we celebrate on Easter Sunday. And as I've already said, it was a planned out or it was an orchestrated event. It was all planned out to make a point. And what was the point? What was the point in this uh, as we look at this story? Well, the first point I'll give you today is the preparation that Jesus has a plan. He has a plan and he always had a plan. And just like this week, we're celebrating Passover week. It began uh, yesterday. How many of you have ever done a Seder dinner before? Have anyone done the Seder and the significance of all of that? It's really fascinating. I, I mean, it's been awesome. We've done it uh, several times ourselves. But just the significance of the Passover. And, and obviously this week where we're going and we're asking those that want us to come and pray over homes 
Um, and we're, we're just going to spend a few minutes there uh, praying, anointing the doorposts, and praying for families and serving communion if they would like. But um, during this Passover week, pilgrims or people would, from all over would come and they would flock to Jerusalem for this Passover week. And that's where, you know, they had the Passover supper, which is the last supper uh, that Jesus prepared with his disciples and washed their feet. But Jesus and his disciples were among those um, arriving in Jerusalem. But before we got there, um, they were staying in Bethany. What happened in Bethany? Does anybody know what happened in Bethany or who lived in Bethany? There's uh, someone that he raised from the dead there. Lazarus, right? So uh, Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, he raised from the dead. So it was perhaps they were staying at, uh, at their house for the night. Um, they could have been staying there. There's also blind Bartimaeus that was from Bethany. So maybe they were coming along with them uh, along this, uh, this route too. That you know, Lazarus and, and blind Bartimaeus or formerly blind Bartimaeus. Um, so it would have caused quite a stir. Hey, remember that guy? And, and he was dead. You know, that would have been pretty cool. But as they approached Jerusalem, Jesus stopped and he said, wait a second. And he sent two of the disciples ahead of them and he said, go get the, the donkey or the colt that had never been ridden and you'll find it there and uh, bring it back to me. And if they say anything, just tell them the Lord needs it, right? That's what he told them. And that's exactly what happened. They get there. And you wonder uh, what the other disciples were thinking. What, you know, at, it, during that time, um, you know, they're wondering what's going on. What's, what's with this, this donkey? Why, why does he need that? But obviously Jesus was up to something. And it was very significant that when they got there, that's exactly what happened. The, the people asked, what are you doing? Why are you taking this donkey? And they said, the Lord needs it and we'll bring it back later. Um, how many of you have had things borrowed and it didn't return the same way? <laughs> People borrow your donkey and it just didn't come back quite the same. <laughs> so, well, I've had people borrow my, not my donkey, but my other things. Um, but, so this was either an example of Jesus' foreknowledge. He had, a, he had a foreknowledge that this is what was going to happen. Um, or Jesus planned it out a long time before. And I believe Jesus knew in his, in his foreknowledge, he knew. And it says in Mark, in John chapter five, that Jesus never did anything except what his father instructed him to do. So, you know, Jesus knew. The father told him, this is what you need to go do. Jesus knew it. And every detail about this was the announce that now is the day. Now is the day of the arrival of the Messiah. And there's a lot of things that Jesus said, too, that he goes, I don't know. One thing he doesn't know is he doesn't know the day of his return. He doesn't know that. He says in the word that only the Father knows that the day of the, the return of Jesus. Um, but as we see, it was a carefully orchestrated. And I want to pay attention to some of the the wording in this, the significance of this. First of all is that the Lord needs it. The Lord needs that. Um, and they ask, what are you doing? And the Lord needs it. That's what we are told to say, right? 
Well, the word Lord can be used of God. It was also used of um, sir, you know, it was kind of a, a, a formal way to acknowledge, you know, someone of high importance, my Lord, my master. Um, but it was also one that, in this sense, of our Lord, of our, our God. And so um, Jesus here in this context is, is taking on that, that lordship or that divine authority and there's a lot of people I want to recognize that would say they believe in God. They, they believe there is a God. Therefore, I should go to heaven when I die, right? Because I believe there's a God. Um, but if you read James, it says uh, even the demons believe there's a God and they shudder. <laughs> it's not just about saying that there's a God in heaven. Yes, there is a God in heaven. But how has he made a difference in your life? And he is... A lot of people commit their lives to Christ as their Savior, okay? Yes, I, I repented of my sins. I played, prayed the sinner's prayer 15 years ago. I did that. I'm good. I got my fire insurance. I'm, <laughs> I got, I'm good for a while. But there's not many would take on the lordship of Jesus Christ of their life. And that is so important. There's, there's sermons in this about the significance of Jesus being your Lord, your Savior, yes. We need him as our Savior, but even more so, we need him as our Lord, in a, meaning our master, one that I follow. I follow his lead. I want him to be Lord of my life. And I need to get out of the way. I need to let him take authority and control of my life. And that's a lot harder to do, isn't it? Well, that's exactly what he's saying. The Lord needs it. So how are you gonna respond to that? How do you respond to that? And it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus says this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? See, there's going to be many on that day. Many on that day that stand before God and they say, but Lord, we did all these things in your name. And what is he going to say in return to some of those? Very sobering. Department from me, for I never knew you. Your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's not just a head knowledge about God, but has actually, have you turned from your sin? Have you, have you actually repented of those things? Are you living for the Lord of your life? And I'm not saying there's three steps to this, but it's simply believing, because it's not just a bit even about believing. You, you don't do what I said, because actually to call him Lord, you must actually obey what he says in his word. Obedience is important. If you say you love me, it says Jesus said in John, throughout John, then you will do what I say, right? You will obey. And that's what Jesus is saying. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means yes, Lord, to anything, anytime, and anywhere. That's what being a committing to the Lord. The Lord needs it. Jesus is Lord. And you know what? If there's something that he wants of you, are you willing to say yes to it, Lord? Yes. Yes, I'll do that. And I kind of laughed last Wednesday night when we're doing worship uh, here. It was a powerful time. And, and so uh, my friend, Pastor Sika and, and uh, Pastor Chad, were up here. 
And I saw them talking, and we were just getting ready to close the service, and, and, and they're just like, oh, and, then they, and then they go, come here, Greg. And so I, I went over here, and they go, hey, do you mind if we come back again next week, <laughs> next Wednesday? And I'm just like, Sure, <laughs> yeah, no problem. I had about five second notice. Uh, but you know what? If the Lord is in it, who am I to say no? I mean, I, I kind of looked back at the worship team too to make sure it's okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, are you ready for this? There's sometimes the Lord tests us in our obedience. He'll test us in that. You know, I think of the time when, when Jesus very first thing that he asked Peter is, can I get in your boat and, and be pushed off from the shore? Can I be pushed off from the shore? Can I just use your boat for a sec, for a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, I'll let you use my boat. By the way, can, is there any boat I could use? <laughs> um, Jill would really appreciate it um, if you've heard my boat stories. But... <laughs> but, but the uh, things, it might be something very subtle, very subtle little things. The Lord needs it. And how do you respond? Well, let me think about it. Let, no, let me, let me pray about that. <laughs> let me, they didn't say, let me pray about it in this passage. They just said, yes, absolutely. And when the Lord prompts you, how do you respond? Have you ever, has the Lord ever commandeered your stuff? Has he ever prompted you to do something or to give to someone, give to a missionary, give to someone in need, um, helping a person, giving of your time, giving of your talents? This is what Christians do. We say yes, Lord, to anything, anytime, and anywhere. And I hope that I can be, or we can be, first responders to the Holy Spirit, first responders to God. I wear a pager most of the most days for first responders. And you know, there's times when it's super inconvenient. Why can't people just get sick and get hurt when it's convenient with me? <laughs> Why can't it just be that way? Um, but you know what? I've, I have so many stories, even when I, I just not wanted to get up in the middle of the night to go help someone. When I've ridden in the ambulance, and even recently, you know, just recently uh, in the ambulance, I just, I wasn't even on shift, and I, I volunteered to come in and, and take this young guy in, and just, we talked for about an hour during this transfer, and uh, I had the opportunity to uh, pray with them and, and just make that recommitment to the Lord. That So he, he made a, a fresh recommitment to Jesus, and I'm just like, Amen. If I would have just went, you know, I just want to sleep tonight. I just, you know, and I was already in bed, wasn't I, Joe? I was, I was already in bed, and I get the phone call. Greg, will you come in and, and take this? Um, and it's someone I knew, but uh, I'm just like, I had to think for about two seconds, <laughs> maybe longer. Um, yes, I'll go. I'll go in. And that was powerful. So I don't know what it is. I don't know what your donkey is. But it might be. <laughs> it might be something that you hold near and dear to your, that you don't want to let go of.
I think we need to a lot of times hold things loosely. Hold things loosely. It could be our wallet. It could be that. It could be our time. It could be anything that we just, even our kids that we prayed over today, we hold our kids so tightly. We're just like, no, God, we can't ever let them go on a mission trip because they might get hurt, right? We have to trust God more than that. What is the meaning of the donkey in this passage? There are three things about the donkey that you should know. Uh, first is the donkey was unbroken. It had never been ridden any, with anyone. Uh, in the Old Testament, when something was to be used for God's purposes, it was always to be something new, never used. You couldn't bring your uh, used donkey to the you know, secondhand donkey store. You couldn't, you know, to the temple. Couldn't go pick something up and... You couldn't offer a sacrifice that had a blemish or just a broken leg or something like that. Actually, you can read Malachi about that, that people were bringing their offerings and their broken down animals to the sacrifice. And they're going, I hope, hope God will just accept it. And he goes, no, no, I won't. I won't accept that as a suitable, suitable offering. So in this place, um, it was it, like, like a, a, a cow that it was never used, as, um, that it never had a yoke on it before, never used before. But Jesus was indicating that this animal was to be used for God's purposes. Something sacred was about to happen with this. Uh, second, and this was a fulfillment of prophecy. If you read Zechariah 9, verse 9, it says this. It says, O daughter of Zion... Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. And so this was actually a prophetic act that Jesus was fulfilling this prophecy, this very same thing, that this was the Messiah riding in on this donkey to fulfill this prophecy and while many people or Jews would have missed the significance of this, there was a very significant thing happening in this. Uh, Jesus was fulfilling that he was the king. I am riding in on this unused donkey. And so this kind of king that he is, is righteous, having salvation. He is gentle and riding on this donkey. And he came into Jerusalem to be the king of glory. To ride in there, let the king of glory come in. That's what was happening. And so they were uh, laying their branches down and they were putting their cloaks on the ground, uh, a red carpet uh, parade, if you will. Thirdly, is that when a king went into war, what did he, when he was going into war or when he was coming out of a war battle, they would often ride a horse. They would ride a horse. But if they came in peace, they would ride a donkey. So when he came in to announce his kingship, when he came in to announce that I am that Messiah, he came in peace. Just like he was born in a stable we celebrated during Christmas time, he also lived a humble life, lived a sinless life, and he took our place, but he also came in in peace where the Messiah was always and still is to Jewish people, waiting for the majestic 
uh, king that was going to ride in on a horse. And guess what? He is going to ride on a horse one day. Ron just read that this morning about him riding in powerful on a horse. He's going to come in and declare victory. Well, this was victory. There was a victory celebration in this, but it wasn't as they prepared because their idea of victory was this king that was going to ride in and conquer who? The Romans. The Romans were the government that was oppressing them and they had to pay taxes to, and they wanted this king that was going to come as a warlord, but he came as the prince of peace. This would have been a disappointment to them who expected this Messiah to be this militaristic and this political savior that would save them from the oppressors of the Romans. And they wanted a Messiah that was going to make peace, or not make peace, but make war. Um, and, And I wonder sometimes if we're guilty sometimes of squeezing Jesus into our preconceived ideas of what God should be. Do you ever do that? God, I want you to be this way. Not that way. I mean, I want you to come in. I want you to conquer. I want you to take over the problems that we're facing in our country or in our world. Do it. Sometimes I just get frustrated. God, will you just show yourself mighty in power? It just, he's like, I am. I am. Maybe not the way you want me to. Sometimes I wonder if we're guilty of that, but we need to see Jesus as he is, not just what we want him to be. The donkey means a lot, and and so Jesus was making a statement, I am here, I am your king, and I have come to bring peace, not just war. Secondly, this entrance that Jesus received this praise, verses eight through 10, there was an atmosphere in Jerusalem, and that was um, this great anticipation, this great excitement, and And so they're like, they are, in that sense, waving the branches and singing and shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so, you know, there's probably talk going on. Have you you heard about this Jesus? He's doing all these miracles and these healings and all this stuff's happening. And so this crowd was, was crowding around waiting for them. And three years, Jesus had been talking about the kingdom of God has arrived. He was healing the sick. He was casting out demons. He was raising the dead, feeding the hungry. And these huge crowds would come uh, to these places where he taught and where he was doing these miracles. And um, they probably started wondering if he was the one. Are you the one? And of course, others were thinking that he was crazy, that he was evil, and they were trying to kill him. Um, but in this, this uh, atmosphere, people, it was just exciting, exhilarating. And so he rides in uh, deliberate fulfillment of this prophecy. And it was a calculated statement that Jesus was that long-waited-for king, Messiah. And he rode into town and he received this praise. The meaning of Hosanna means the Lord save us. The Lord save us. And so they're saying, Lord, <laughs> Lord, sir, save us. Save us from again. What were they trying to save us from? They were thinking the government, the Romans. But there was more to it that he wanted to save them from. Um, so it was, a, it was a praise. You, Lord, you save us. 
You, you save us. We need you. And either way, this word shows that the crowd believed that Jesus was this long-awaited Savior. They were recognizing that, but they had probably just this mixed idea of, of what it all meant. Um, they were thinking, now, finally, this king is coming, and he's going to set up his, his palace in Jerusalem, in the city of David, and you're going to restore back what David and, and Solomon had, you know, the, the grandeur, the, the palace. Um, and so there's this great anticipation. I kind of think, I don't know how many of you love history. I, I enjoy history. I like studying uh, things and, and watching, watching videos of historical things. And I kind of think of it like... Um, like World War II after the end and the, and, the, and the victory there and the citizens of occupied Europe after they, the Allied troops came in and took over and, the, and the, the, Allied, the Nazis had been retreated. Um, these places, they were waving their American flags or you know, their, their French flags, you know, just saying, finally, finally we have victory. You know, this, this huge parade as, as these people were just like, we're finally free, we're finally free. Well, that's what people were doing. They were waving these palm branches. We're finally free. We're finally free. Uh, and they saw Jesus as their liberator in this. And they were right, sort of, in that sense. Jesus is Savior, but he did not came, come to save them just from the Romans, but from themselves. I'm coming to save them more to it than just what... The temporary. I'm coming to save you for eternity. <laughs> Do you not know that? Do you not see this? That he's not just the king of the state of Israel, but he's king of kings and he's the Lord of lords for eternity. He came to bring God's rule to a broken world so that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've come to establish my kingdom. And where is the kingdom of God at? He said, it's not here, it's not there, but it's in you who believe that allow me to be Lord, allow me to rule and reign in your life. That's the only way the kingdom of God is really gonna be manifest is in you. The hope of glory. He wants to be king of your life. Jesus came to save us from ourselves. He was not, and it's not what they quite bargained for in that situation. They expected Jesus to fix their problems, but he came to fix them. And we sometimes do the same thing. We go to things to fix us, or we go to, fix, better yet, to fix other people. <laughs> fix other people. We go to, you know, counselors or pastors or leaders wanting them, or doctors wanting us wanting them to fix our family member, fix our spouse, fix uh, our kids. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, not to get help, but a lot of times, you know, when we're pointing the finger, it, how many fingers are pointing back at you? <laughs> you, gotta, you just have to remember, what does God want to work in you? But sometimes we, you know, we, Lord, save us from our job, save us from our boss, Save us from our problems. But he's come to do the work in you. The revolution starts in you. What changes does he want to bring in you? 
And where did Jesus go? We read in the last verse, we read in verse 11, Jesus went straight to the temple. Where would you expect a king to go? Well, I hope, I hope to the palace. I hope to the palace where he's going to sit on his throne. To the seat of political power, you know, Jesus goes straight to the temple. He goes to his father's house. And Mark tells us that he went straight to there and he looked around and he went home for the night. Huh. <laughs> People are just like, huh. Well, if you read a little further, what happened to the next day? He went back to the temple and he braided a whip and he started whipping things around and he turned and overturning the tables because they had turned his father's house into a den of thieves, right? That's one time he got mad, righteously angry that they had destroyed the significance of the temple. And so Mark tells us that he went there, he went home after that. You know, the crowd had just been all charged up, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they went to the temple, and they, they're probably going, oh, yeah, that's probably a good idea. You should probably go pray, you know, go to the temple and pray. Um, but, you know, they're probably wondering what, what, maybe he's just going to pray before he beats the crowd out of the Romans, you know. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what he was going to do. Um, but he stops there, and he stops, and it's obvious that he's not going any further. And the crowd begins to probably wonder or grumble perhaps and then, then disperse. Uh, and then only a short few days later, they shout a different thing and they were shouting, crucify him. It was a short-lived welcome, if you will. And we can learn from this. The Lord save us, it's a good prayer. It's a good thing to say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord, save us. It's a good thing to pray. Um, and they meant, Lord, save us from the oppressions of the world. But Jesus had something else in mind. And I, I've learned that I can do some of the same things. I, I can sometimes have different or preconceived plans than Jesus. Some of us might say, Lord, save us and fix my spouse. But Jesus wants to fix me. <laughs> Lord, save me and, and change my kids or my boss or my friend, but Jesus wants to change me. Lord, save me. Save me from all my problems and make me happy. Isn't that what God wants to do is make us all happy? I hear that. Have you ever heard that? God just wants me to be happy. I'm like, I, will you point the scripture out to me? Because I haven't found that in the Bible yet. That God just wants us to be happy. I'm not saying he doesn't want happiness. But sometimes it's not all happy or just about our feelings. Love is not just a feeling. Love is a choice that we had to make. God wants us to save us. He wants to save us from ourselves, most of all. And if we just want happiness, sometimes we won't allow him to work in us to change the hard things that he sometimes wants to do in us. Some of the things that he's prompting us and, and reminding us that I'm not just about your happiness. I'm about working in your life to change you because your happiness is not just what I'm about. I want to save you and I want to want you to live for God for eternity. And so it's a prayer we need to pray sometimes. Lord, save us. Save us from ourselves. And if we don't say that, 
One last thing. In reading Luke chapter uh, 19, verses 39 through 40, uh, Jesus received those praises, and guess what? It ticked, who did it tick off? The religious, the Pharisees were ticked off. How dare you let them praise you? And he said in Luke chapter 19, he said this. That some of the, after the, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples for doing that. I tell you, he, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the very stones will cry out. They obviously thought that these praises and these prayers given to Jesus uh, were inappropriate, were hypocritical. Stop them, rebuke those people for doing that. Instead, Jesus said, if they keep quiet, then even the earth, the creation, the stones will cry out and declare that I am Lord. So Jesus was deserving of praise, but he said, even the very rocks will cry out and praise me if people don't. Have you ever been so excited about something that you just couldn't keep it in? You just had to tell someone, you just had to do that. Uh, you just, I mean, the surprise and suspense, I just can't, can't stand it anymore. Will you just open that gift, please? Sometimes when I'm playing uh, hide and go seek with my granddaughter, Kenzie, you know, I'll, it's my turn and I'll count and I'll come out and you can clearly see her under the couch you know, or under the chair. You know, you can see her under there and you're just like, Where's Kenzie? I can't find her. I'm over here, Papa. <laughs> just like, I just can't find her anywhere. You know, just walk around. I'm right here. <laughs> she can't stand it. She, the suspense is just saying, you know, please, please find me. I'm like, that doesn't work that way. <laughs> it doesn't work that way to tell me, but sometimes we just can't keep it in. Then the creator of the universe rode into Jerusalem on this donkey, and people, you know, were shouting, he's here, he's here. Celebrate, we should celebrate. And his presence is here today. And when we, you know, I, I, there are times in praise and worship where it's just very subdued. It's very, you know, where we get on our knees, where we, where we, yeah, we just kneel down and worship the Lord, our maker. And other times, we should be shouting. We should be celebrating. Why in sports events do they have more fun than sometimes in churches? We should be celebrating God. And I love it when we hoot and holler sometimes because he's worthy of praise. And don't forget to praise Jesus, but also more of Jesus in the in-between times. It's between the parades that we don't do so well. We don't do so well from Sunday to Sunday because there's six days in between. And we forget our hosannas between the parades. But he said, even the stones will cry out. And it's not just about when you feel like praising. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this gift of life. Even the Lord's prayer starts out with praise. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I know you want me to finish, but, <laughs> but the, the, the essence of that is praise. Don't forget your hosannas. Don't forget to praise the Lord. 
Because he will get praise no matter what. So let's close in prayer. Lord God, we just thank you for this, such an important reminder about, first of all, your lordship. Lord, that I, I want to commit my life to you, to be truly what it means to be Lord. Not that I just believe that you exist, that you're a God out there somewhere. But Lord, if I truly love you, you say, then obey my commandments. Then let me be Lord of your life. Let me have control. Let me have the kingship of your soul and your heart. Lord, that's, that's what you're asking of us. Will we, in reminder of this Palm Sunday, Lord, if we've never made that commitment or we need to recommit today, then I do. I want to make that recommitment to say, Hosanna, Lord, save me. And not just save me from my government, save me from myself. Save me from my own attempts to save myself. Because we can't. And you knew that we couldn't. Lord, I turn from my sin. I, I, I acknowledge that I have fallen short. And that's all you ask of us. You came not to bring war. You came to bring peace. And Lord, you want to be our Prince of Peace. You want us to allow you to have rule and reign in us. That's what allowing your kingdom come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. It starts with my own acknowledgement of that in me. Start with me, Lord. And Lord, we can thank you. We can rejoice in that. We can say, blessed are you who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed are you, Lord. You are worthy of praise. And Lord, there are times when we can just shout it out and say, thank you, Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for saving us that we would never forget the victory that we have in you that you do control all things, even when things seem out of control. We can always call upon you because as we sang already today, you are faithful. Faithful always, Lord. You always keep your promises to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray that you have a great uh, Passover week.